It's about time. Season two of Live and Let's Discuss. You know, last season we started with a great Bond film and we ended with a great one. This season we start with a bad one and end with a bad one. Let's talk about Moonraker. Oh. Oh. A de- the definition of what happens when you try to rip off Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, Lord. So, Moonraker was Fleming's third Bond book, and in my opinion, one of the best ones. Same, same, absolutely. Um, And it, rather than follow one of the best Bond stories ever, they decided Star Wars is popular. Let's uh, let's do that, and we'll use the title that sounds more spa- the most space-like. We'll keep the antagonist's name and say that he's rich, and take nothing of his attributes at all. Or his backstory. Or his backstory. And then then we'll get Christopher Woods to write the the novelization because he did a good job with the Spy Who Loved Me. Christopher Woods is like, well, I guess we'll make him look like he did in the book. He might have a hint of the accent that he has in the book. But otherwise, there's nothing about him that's the same. Yeah. And we just get the same screenplay as The Spy Who Loved Me, and we're just going to change a couple of words, and we get the same director, Louis Gilbert. Yeah. And we have more Jaws. More jaws, always good. Except for the novelization has less jaws. Um, I don't... Where do you want to start talking about it? Let's start with the novel. Let's start okay. with the good one. So the novel is the... This is the only Bond story that fully takes place in London. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting in that regard. Um... M reaches out to Bond and says, this Sir Hugo Drax is cheating. I can't remember what card game they're playing. It's just some card game. They're playing a card game, and he cheats, and I can't prove him. Bond, you're great at gambling. Why don't you sit in at my club and figure it out and beat him? And so it takes Bond a minute. It's really fascinating. This is like the first chapter of the book. Bond is sitting there, and he figures out how he's cheating. And he gets one up on Drax, and Drax gets real mad. Says, I'm going to get you back. Because Bond wins a bunch of money from him. Um, so he can... He, and he doesn't know what... Bond doesn't... This is the first time we get Bond doesn't know what to do with money. Which is brought up later in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Because Bond's always been, like, sort of poor. But in a lot of ways, he has money. He just doesn't do anyth- he, anything with it. Because that's brought up in some other book. I can't remember what book that's brought up in. Where it's implied that his par- he was orphaned and his parents left him a bunch of money. Um... Was it Octopussy to short story? That mentioned his parents' death, but I don't remember the inheritance stuff. I don't I, I think it was you only live twice, the obituary. Mm-hmm. And it explains why he has a housekeeper and stuff. 
but he doesn't use the money. He, he well, he really doesn't care about pretty much anything. Like when he gambles, he just gives it to charity. But this time he's like, well, maybe I'll get another car. Because he still has the Bentley at this point. And basically, Drax is making this big rocket called the Moonraker. It's going to benefit Britain. But see, he's up to no good. So Bond's tasked with, uh, I can't remember the, the woman's name. Gala Brand. Gala Brand. She's the Bond girl for this. She's a police officer. Um, and it's not really into Bond. Mm-hmm. Which adds a nice angle to it. So they team up to figure out what Drax is doing. Turns out Drax is an agent of Smash, of course. And he was a German? Oh, yeah. he was. So he's... A Nazi. He's a, he was a Nazi and he defected to the Russians after the Second World War. And they've sort of placed him. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've read I this. Okay, so you might get it mixed up. I It's also been a time since I read it, but I don't think he immediately went to the Russians. I think it's more he went to Britain immediately and mm-hmm. became Sir Hugo Drex. Mm-hmm. And created this persona and everything, and then he later started working with the Russians when he got his revenge plan in motion. Because it's mentioned in From Russia With Love that they supported Hugo Drex, but I don't think they say that he was one of them. Oh, that's right, yes. Because it's kind of the same thing with um, Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, What's also interesting with Hugo Drex is his uh, real German name and I love this because Fleming obviously spoke German. He His name was Hugo von Drache, which means Hugo of Dragon. It's like the most awesome name. And <laughs> I like it. Yeah. But we... We witness Bond get the crap beat out of him in this book. It's one of his worst beatdowns, I think. I mean, does it top Casino Royale? Well, no. That was straight-up torture. I mean, he just gets beaten up. Well, he gets in a car accident. He wrecks the Bentley, which breaks my heart. <laughs> that car was really cool. Because they're, they're, he's chasing Drax. Drax is just... we didn't. I didn't mention this. Drax is rude. Mm-hmm. He's just a loudmouth, rude dude. And he keeps making fun of Bond's car and belittling it, and he drives a Mercedes. It's like, your car was good, like, 20 years ago. And so they end up in a car chase. (laughs) He wrecks the Bentley. Which breaks my heart. Makes me a little sad. Um, But this is when Bond survives a, a rocket going off. That's the thing that happens in this book. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and the Bond girl. Although they have a weird... I, I do have to talk about the weird swimming scene where they both skinny dip. Mm-hmm. Which would not be acceptable today. Because he kisses her and she's not really into it. 
but he thinks she is. He he. The thing is, Bond thinks because he's so ego driven that even though she says she has a boyfriend, that she would just leave her boyfriend for him. I think it's more of a thing that he didn't believe she actually has a boyfriend. I think it was more implied like, oh, that's probably just part of her uh, cover story. But I think it's still ego-driven. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because he's still... Uh, he He's forever changed by... Um, What's-her-face from Casino Vespa. Royale? Vespa. Um, I mean, even till... Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Spy Who Loved Me said it best, where, like, he can't, there would never be another. There could never, he could never just be satisfied with, like, one. Like, ever again. And that kind of shows in this, but it backfires on him. And that's something I really liked. Because mm-hmm. he tries to go on a date with her, and she shows up with her boyfriend <laughs> it's like no I thought we were just hanging out <laughs> it's like well damn but like with all these early Bond fight and smash things it's it's really rushed kind of funny how we get rid of Drax with the, the, just changing the direction of the Moonraker to hit his brain <laughs> Where Bond kills a bunch of civilians. Yep. <laughs> and M is like, oh, don't worry, we're going to cover this up. Yep. Well, they, they were flying um, the Soviet flag, weren't they not? No, there were also reporters and stuff in the area. Oh, yeah, it's just a dialogue. Bond wipes them out because he defeats the bad guy. Which, to be fair, it's better than having, like, London destroyed, which is, like, Drex's ultimate goal. Yes. They kind of detonated in the ocean. Yeah. So at least less casualties. Yeah. It was pretty funny, though. But yeah, I really like the Moonraker novel. Now on to the Moonraker film and novelization. Which is entirely different. If you want to see an actual adaptation of Moonraker, the closest you get is Die Another Day, which is sad. Oh god, it is, isn't it? The the basic plot is the same. Villain guy apparently dies, but comes back with a new identity, has this domination destruction plan. Yeah. That explains... Okay, that explains why the Bond villain in Die Another Day did the narration for Moonraker. Yeah. I didn't put that together. <laughs> and the Bond girl was supposed to be called uh, Gala Brand, the one played by the blonde who was. Oh girl. yeah, I can't remember her name, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a bad movie. Yeah, and weird to think it's the best Moonra- Moonraker adaptation. <laughs> Unfortunately. But anyway, because Moonraker, Moonraker itself, the movie we're going to mm-hmm. talk about now. Instead of the Moonraker being a rocket, they're space shuttles. Exactly. Moonraker space shuttles. They're made by Drax Corporation. Um, they're sending one to Britain, and it's taken away. 
They're flying in the Moonraker shuttle on the back of an airplane, which I don't know if that's a thing that people did. But um, people were hiding in the Moonraker, and they, they take the Moonraker, blow up the plane. We get a nice thing in the novelization with one of the pilots talking about his booty call. I like that. I really like that characterization. That felt that felt very Fleming in a way. Um, yeah, just... the book the book does similar to Spy Who Loved Me has more of a Fleming feel, but mm-hmm. not quite as good as Spy Who Loved Me. No, there's nowhere near as many connections. Yeah, which I mean, obviously, because Spy Who Loved Me can work as like an actual Fleming continuation. Because it's its own new story and characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you can make more direct connections. Moonraker would have suffered the same as like the License to Kill novel. Because you have the same characters. Mm-hmm. But they are two different characters. Yes. Or maybe not. Because the novelization, Hugo Drex, you mentioned. He is described looking just like he did in the original Moonraker by Fleming. Mm-hmm. And Bond even makes a mention... His face looks all fucked up and weird. It's like he was in an accident. He seems like the type of guy who was in the army in a war, mm-hmm. but on which side? Maybe the German side? Because he wit- he hears a bit of a German accent. Yeah, so little reference to the original Drex, but yeah. Movie Drex is a full-grown Peter Dinklage. Yes! Thank he you! Exactly like him. He looks identical. Anyway, <laughs> um, they, Drax blames the British, British send their best, which is Bond, and this is one of the tropes I hate about the films. We had this problem with, um, gosh, what was the, Diamonds Are Forever. How do people know James Bond, who James Bond is? He's a secret agent. Yeah, that's kind of wonky in this era where it's like, is he a secret agent or is he like a public figure because we also have that in kind of in you only live twice as well so yeah i don't remember it being that strong here in moonraker well drax knows exactly who he is i mean that's somewhat more acceptable with like the villains and connections and they can learn stuff like that but a bit wonky but i can accept it here yeah, there, it, there is enough other stuff to complain about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the least of my complaints. Um, I'm going to talk about a bit of a digression between the novelization and the novel now. We cut to Bond is on a plane heading back, like a private plane heading back to Britain from a mission. And things go wrong. He ends up in a fight, fighting everyone on the plane. Mm-hmm. ends up getting out of the plane the difference is in the movie Jaws is on the plane Jaws is not on the plane in the novelization mm-hmm. and we have the most obnoxious thing which is Jaws falls into a circus tent and survives because his parachute doesn't deploy I mean he's Jaws yeah Actually, I would say this the pre-title sequence I really enjoy because of the stunt work Yes, um, some of the some of the craziest stunt work in any Bond movie ever. I mean, they're literally the stunt people are jump out of an airplane. Yeah, and fight in midair. In midair, granted, you can tell they have parachutes underneath their shirts. 
Because yeah, Bond jumps out without a parachute. That that's I forgot to mention that. <laughs> and in some shots you can see it's clearly not Roger Moore. He looks close enough to stunt guy, but you can also tell he wears like protective uh, transparent goggles. goggles. Yeah. Uh, but it's they cut it, you know, well enough. It looks yeah, there's great. a few composite shots in this, and that's part of the era. Yeah, just to give you the illusion it's actually the guys. But Yeah, so that way is... you, you can have Roger Moore interacting in close-ups. Yeah, but it is really impressive stunt work. Oh, from yeah. Some of the best in the series, I would say. And I think I've heard they had to shoot this like a dozen times, which is, I mean, makes sense, but it's also nuts. There's so many angles, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Moonraker title sequence, which is pretty good. I love this mm-hmm. ti- the title sequences of the 70s mm-hmm. where the they were not meant to be seen in HD because you have so many nips. Yeah. And then the song, which is Shirley Bessie, I think her last one. It's our last official one because she did one for Quantum of Solace. Right. That is so much better than what they chose. Basically, all the songs they did for Quantum of Solace were good except for the one they put in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, the Moonraker song, I'm not the biggest It's fan boring. Of. I like the disco remix in the end credits. Yeah, that was pretty great when I got to the end. That's that's fun. It it's almost it's up there with the the weird version of Nobody Does It Better at the end of uh Spy You Love Me. The like co- barbershop quartet thing with all the dudes singing oh yes <laughs> because the, yeah yeah i can't remember Navy which version yeah but it's just this whole thing the whole thing with the spy who it is it's a rip off of spy who loved me yeah it's the same plot and i think it's because it's rushed because star wars came out same year as spy mm-hmm. who loved me it was a big hit, and then they changed their plans, because Spy Who Loved Me says James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. a more grounded spy adventure. Yeah. Uh, but then they said, but Star Wars is big, we gotta cash in, so we gotta make Moonraker. We gotta make a bigger version. It's Okay, it's part Moonraker, it's part Thunderball. Yeah. A- and part You Only Live Twice. It's all yeah, those I, I... big battle things, mm-hmm. which don't all really work in the Bond movie. But I would say, yeah, I always got the comparison. It's, and it's all Lewis Gilbert. He Because he did You Only Live Twice, Spy Who Loved Me, and Moonraker, and they are all the same film, essentially. It, it, it's so frustrating. It's so... It, 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 it's it is, but... so frustrating. Because he only made one that was good. Yeah, Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. You Only Live Twice has its charm and yeah. moments. Yeah, it has moments. Moonraker has moments. Yeah. It's not the worst Bond movie. I was shocked at how much I actually enjoyed it. Oh, it's definitely not. I mean, it just... It's something you can say for it, which you can't say for stuff like the Craig era, definitely. It knows what it is, and it just tries to be fun. Yes, and it it is dumb, but it's not as dumb as some of the Moore movies are. It's not a view to a kill. Yeah, it's not Die Another Day. No. I would still pref- prefer this over Die Another Day any day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, something I noticed rewatching it, the first, like, only the last half hour goes com- 
completely apeshit. Yes. He actually goes to space in the third act. Mm -hmm. But everything before that is just, that's a normal Bond adventure. Yeah, there's a lot of... He investigates the bad guy, he goes to different places, meets the Bond girl. That's solid stuff with some goofy jokes thrown in, but that's solid. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't want to go... Should we just go plot point the plot point on this? Sure. Um, yeah, so Bond, Bond makes back, you know, he, he gets signed the mission, he ends up going out to California. <laughs> Every time they- California, the... which even I notice, yeah, sure. It's definitely California, you can tell, because it looks so French. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think the reason for is it they shot cheaper. In, in France. What? It was cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. And then they came up with an explanation. Oh, Drex's chateau, it's it's French because he got it, you know, imported here because he likes it so much. Yeah, and it's a show of flex. We have another rich villain taking over. Like basically trying to become God. Yeah, just like Stromberg in Spy Who Loved Me. A bit more refined then Stromberg because his plan makes a little bit more sense but because it's... Stromberg was just insane and he was like I love water I want to float the entire world everyone is gonna die except me because I have this city <clears throat> Drex has this like Noah's Ark type of thing where it's yeah. like, I'm gonna repopulate humanity in mm -hmm. space because I love space and I'm gonna control it which is interesting mm -hmm. to a degree but we don't really linger on it long <laughs> Um, because the it's the era. Um, mm -hmm. but I do like Drex in this as a villain. Like I said, he he looks like Peter Dinklage. He has like the stereotypical Bond villain dress yes. in black. And I mean, he's nice. He's menacing enough. I always thought he was like way smaller than he actually is. Mm -hmm. But in his first scene, he's just he's taller than Roger Moore actually. Mm -hmm. They just shoot him weird. Yeah. Well, also, he's standing next to Jaws. Yeah, and Jaws is gigantic. This that, movie... that man was huge. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's so it's so weird to it's so weird to talk about this one. It's just a bizarre conundrum. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let's jump ahead a little bit. Bond teams up with this one girl who works for Drex to get some secret information. Yes, and then we get the scene. The villains, you know, the typical scene where the, where the villain murders one of Bond's friends or associates. Well, well, let's go back to when they try to kill Bond. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because we meet Dr. Goodhead. So we have another woman who has a sexual name for a joke. <laughs> yeah, the best one. Yeah, it's better than just being called Pussy. They didn't try an Octopussy. They didn't try. That they already had that one. They just <laughs> didn't feel like it. Um but she's of course CIA. We don't know that yet. It's nice to have a CIA agent that isn't Felix. But um Yeah, Felix by the way, just uh, mentioned it now. He's he's gone until mm -hmm. uh, living daylights, I think. Yes. Yes, he is gone. I, it's unfortunate. Yep. 
when we get the worst Felix. Oh god, yep. <laughs> anyway, um so Drax has this uh I call him not odd job. Because mm. he's another Asian um henchman that just acts like odd job. Mm-hmm. And can fight. But like he put Bonds in this like inertia machine and they sabotage it to try to kill him. But he uses his bond gadget to get out of it. And I want to bring up something. He does not use the Walther PPK ever in this movie. Hmm. He doesn't kill like anyone with anything other than the laser gun. And even then, I don't think he kills anyone in, in the movie of Moonraker. The novel, he does use the Walther. And he hmm. loses it. And then he ends up picking up a laser gun later at the end. But he does not use a gun through most of this movie. He does not kill, really kill anyone. It's the least violent I've ever seen Bond. I mean, he does murder, not a job. He does. That's like the only person he directly kills in this movie. Most of I the... mean, he kills those two doctors by accident. Yeah, he indirectly kills people, don't get me wrong. It's like it's like Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where the only person he kills is blowing a blow dart backwards into someone's mouth. <laughs> or if the novelization he whips someone's gun so it shoots someone else, and he does that deliberately. Hmm. Yeah, he kills two people in the novelization of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um Yeah, I don't get it. Anyway. So, Bond, Bond teams up with this girl who was the helicopter pilot. They steal some stuff from Drax. Drax has her killed by being eaten by Dobermans, which is weirdly dark for this movie. That's what I wanted to mention, the weird tonal shifts, because the movie, it feels like a classical Bond movie, and mm -hmm. then they have super silly scenes, and then this scene is straight out of a horror movie. It's out yes, of Fleming. I, it feels very Fleming-esque. Yes, and it was insane watching... The, if I showed you this scene out of context, you would think that it's a horror film. You'd think it was The Omen. It reminded me of the yeah. original Omen movie when the uh, dad's getting chased by the, the, the hellhounds. Yeah, the way it's shot, like her running, the dogs, the music, it's terrifying. Yeah. And it feels out of place in this. And I think that's right after Bond has the one-liner after shooting the guy out of the tree when they're shooting yeah. pigeons. Mm -hmm. Which he gets the one-up on Drax. I do like... That is a nod to the book a little bit in tone. Getting the one-up on Drax. Drax mm -hmm. not being able to handle it. But in the novelization, you don't get that scene where she's eaten by the dogs. He finds oh, yeah, out about it later. In Venice, after the the chase, the gondola chase, which I think he shoots some people in the book during mm -hmm. the gondola chase. It feels like a normal chase. It doesn't turn into a, a hovercraft like it does in the movie. It's just so dumb. We will get to it. Well, I'm at it. Okay, that scene is uh, insane. And awesome. Yeah. I hate it. 
Yeah. I really it's don't. Also, I mean, it has good moments. I like the part when it's like the floating uh, coffin, uh-huh. and the one guy who's smoking, and like, <laughs> and he sees the coffin and he throws his cigarette away. That's a fun little gag. Uh-huh. And then the guy who looks at his wine, which I think is a joke to of the Aristocats. You ever seen that Disney movie? It came out around the same time. I think I also remember like the one guy who's like serving the, the people there. He has he also is like filling up a drink and he's like oh, and accidentally spills it over the people. Yeah, it's like it's a goofy it's a cartoon scene. It's so it's mostly fine when it's on the water, but once he gets on land, it's just like all hell breaks loose. And they play this classic song. The, you know? It's so dumb. It's just goofy. Like, at that point, it's just like, who cares? We're just doing goofy shit now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Drax has a glass shop that's a front for his toxin. Bond witnesses the toxin by accidentally killing the scientists. <laughs> Who, for all he knows, may be, like, innocent. Yeah. Like, we don't know if they are actually evil or maybe they're just working there and don't know what it's used for. But, yeah, they are dead. And then we have our her confrontation with Not Odd Job, who has a sword. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're in a glass shop and he's breaking everything. Which I love this scene, because I remember the scene before, when he first walks into the shop, uh, there is a tour guide going around saying, like, this thing is from the 1500s, mm-hmm. so pre- over one million pounds worth. Yeah, and there was and the glass sword. sword. And they destroy everything in that room. In the book, they don't. They actually, like, try not to, which is kind of funny in and of itself. Yeah, but I like the one joke in this, where it's like there's this crystal bowl, glass bowl thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it was set up, like, if you put it, if you try to steal it and take it away, it creates, like, this... uh, An alarm goes off, yeah. Yeah, the alarm. Uh, So Bond does it because he wants to smack the guy with it. The alarm goes off, and Bond is like, oh, that's annoying. Puts it back, so the alarm stops, and then not our job just smashes it immediately. Where, like, okay, this scene is actually fun. Yeah, it ends with Bond throwing him out of a clock tower. Yeah. To his death. you know what? What? What does he land on? The does he land in a tuba? Not a tuba. It's another instrument. Bond has his catch like his one liner. Play it again, Sam. Oh God! He lands on a piano. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so stupid. And then, and then Bond goes back the next day with M and the Prime Minister, who is a he who becomes M. No. Isn't that Frederick Gray? Oh, my bad. Yeah, uh, no, the uh, other one was in uh, Spy Who Loved Me. I get them mixed up, sorry. Mm -hmm. Frederick Gray is just a pest. And in the book, he's just a buffoon. Um, And in this one, he's kind of like the earlier M, mm -hmm. in a way. Because there's an interesting contrast between him and M, because M in this one is mellow. Like, he's pretty cool with Bond. And well, this is one of the like, last ones with him in it. That's the last one with Bernard Lee. That's right. It changes. I couldn't remember yeah. if it changed in Free Your Eyes Only or Octopussy. 
Yeah, so he's in this one, and then he died, and so he's not M is not at all in For Your Eyes Only. They say mm -hmm. he's on vacation, and then we get a new M in Octopussy. Okay, that makes sense. I knew we were so coming Seth, to that change, yeah, but yeah, that's Seth probably why he's go. it's probably why he's so mellow, and he he defends Bond a whole bunch in this. Yeah, which is nice because they go there, and the the lab's been completely cleaned out. And Drax is there, and Frederick's embarrassed, Bond's and M are pissed, and um, so Bond is forced to go on vacation, so he goes to Brazil, because mm -hmm. that's where Drax has more shipping stuff. And then we meet up again with well we didn't we didn't have i forgot the scene where dr goodhead has all of her own gadgets oh yeah i remember that scene in the book it's really awkward because it just keeps going yes which it does in the movie but it's more forgivable like it works in the movie but it works book, because like... roger moore's so that's like his cup of tea yeah it's that sort of thing and they find out they're equals. So once again, we have equal Bond girl to to Bond. Mm -hmm. I like Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. But that, Which, Spy Who Loved Me works because that's his, they're the enemy. Yeah. And I think, again, because the script was pretty much a copy and paste, in The Spy Who Loved Me, the conflict was like, oh, the woman is uh, Russian, that's different ideologies, that's our... Mm -hmm conflict in, in the novelization she's smash yeah yeah uh, and in this one they did they couldn't reuse the russian like ideology you know mm -hmm. plot so they were like well she's a woman we have bond act a little bit sexist and then come around by the end mm -hmm. which it's not really this is like the most successful feminist film of the bond era but, but it's not really a big deal in it it's just like, oh, we did this in Spy Who Loved Me, we have to try to replicate this here. Yeah, because the Brazen era is credited as being feminist. Cut to Moneypenny masturbating with VR porn. Yeah. Not for Moneypenny, but, like, for the main Bond girls, they, they're they always credited as, like, oh, they're, they're independent. and Except for Christmas Jones, who's supposed to be a nuclear... <laughs> physicist and Denise Richards playing Denise Richards because that's the only thing she can really do. Not believable at anything whatsoever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, no, this felt a bit feminist. Um, they don't they don't linger on it and that that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's why it works. Mm -hmm. It's unlike, and unlike uh, Pussy Galore and Goldfinger, mm -hmm. there's enough chemistry between Moore and the female lady. Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I believe they, they work, and they use one another, which I I do appreciate. Um, but, but anyway, Bond goes to Brazil, um... And Jaws is introduced in the book. I love that scene in the film where um, Drax calls up because he needs a new henchman. 
and he just calls someone up. We don't know who, mm -hmm. henchmen are us. And he's like, oh, I need a replacement for not odd job. Oh, you got him? So uh, I guess Jaws is pretty, pretty famous in the business. Yeah, like he, he he's top of the line. And he goes through the airport terminal and the, the, the sets off the metal detector and he smiles. I yeah, like that's I, a great scene. I like that, and it's that's how they introduce him in the novelization, and I think that that's better than the whole introduction. I mean, his introduction I do like, like him also jumping, like mm -hmm. pushing Bond out of the airplane and then jumping mm -hmm. and trying to kill him in midair mm -hmm. and stuff. I think that's fine, and then it goes comedic when he crashes into the circus. But oh well, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, we have another another female who I guess comes with the hotel. And then she's nearly eaten by Jaws. Yeah, his signature move from Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. What I, li what I like about that scene when Jaws gets dragged away with like the partying people, mm -hmm. he just gives up. He's surrounded by like partying Brazilian women and he's like, eh, and just goes with them. Yeah. That that's nice. Jaws in this he's not as evil like he's more cartoony and he actually turns good at the end and I actually think that's fun. Yeah, I I believe that like he he was a fan favorite. Mhm. Mm he was cool looking and Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. So the correct thing is to just make him a goon. Cuz he is he is the butt of the joke through the majority of this film. Yep. Where is he still creepy in the novelization? Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, we need to talk about the 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 uh, gondola scene. Not the whatever. I think those are gondolas when you go like. Yeah. Um, with Jaws and Bond fight on the gondola. Mm-hmm. And Holly Goodhead allegedly fights. Yeah, she gets punched mostly. <laughs> she which, gets which with the power that Jaws has would instant kill her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I do love how they use it in the novelization. It is directly from the script. And Bond says, and Holly's like, "Who's that?" And Bond says, "That's Jaws. He kills people." <laughs> So Jaws sets up this elaborate thing to get Bond and um, Goodhead's gondola stuck in the middle of a ravine. And he takes another one up and then they fight. And then their gondola ends up, they end up in a gondola chase. Well, Bond ends up using like some sort of gadget to get them out of it. And they end up falling and they both would have died in real life. Or at least been paralyzed. <laughs> but they're okay. They're okay. Yeah, and Joss, and Joss crashes. crashes through the, the control booth. Yeah. And that's he when he meets his... like a giant thing, and that's when we meet his love interest. Yes, Jaws gets a love interest. Mm -hmm. Who has... We know is weird because she has glasses. And that, that's something interesting with the movie. Most people think she has, like, what do you call Braces. it? Braces. 
braces. Yeah, I thought she had braces. No, she it's, doesn't. It's like a collective Mandela effect because that's the obvious joke you make when she <laughs> when they first meet, and mm-hmm. Joss is smiling and obviously has his metal teeth, mm-hmm. and then she smiles and you think, oh, she gotta have braces. That's the joke. But no, mm-hmm. no, she just has glasses and and dresses like um, the Wendy's girl, but blonde. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's fine. Which she's not; she's barely in the novelization, mm-hmm. like at all. But anyway, so Bond and Holly get thrown in the back of uh, an ambulance that they're going to be disposed of. I guess in the book, the dude in the back is like a sadist; he's going to like torture them with a scalpel. But in the movie, Holly, like, seduces him, and then Bond fights him while still attached to the gondola. Bond also tries to seduce well, him in that scene, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's... <laughs> but... <laughs> Take that, Skyfall. He did it before. Yeah. <laughs> but, I like, but I love how Roger Moore gets out of it. Like, what is... Like, he's handcuffed basically to the thing yeah he just moves moves, a bar there's some open thing in the bar where he just can yeah is that a real thing or no because it looked so weird it's not a real thing and that's how he gets i can't remember how he gets out in the novel no he's still attached and he goes flying out because he like fights the guy half attached to the 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 stretcher okay then that's different in the film because the guy then lands on the thing and gets thrown out, and he rolls down a hill and crashes into this sign. Yeah, I hate that. His bond falls out too. Yeah, but he's fine. Yeah, I was... and, oh my god, that was my biggest laugh actually, because that scene happens. Holly has just been kidnapped. Bond is out. This one henchman is taken care of. Okay, Bond casually starts walking after her. He knows he can't uh, get her now. Mm-hmm. C- scene cut. Next scene. Roger Moore in his best Clint Eastwood impression, riding that. in the sunset. It's like, <sighs> what is going on? Western music starts playing. Mm-hmm. And then they and go. It's like, <laughs> it's like the Lawrence in Arabia scene in Spy Who Loved Me, except mm-hmm. way more strange. Yeah, it doesn't work. And I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't work. Yeah. So, Bond ends up at. Their temporary HQ. They start to figure out Drax's plan. They said, "Give him a boat." They also they also show the space guns that Q build. Oh yeah. And then and then Bond goes into like the Amazon, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's out there for days in the book. In the the movie, it looks like he went on a casual. For a casual boat ride, and then he gets chased. Of course, Jaws is there, and Jaws goes over a waterfall. Yeah, because he rips out the control wheel. But yeah, um, in that scene, what I noticed, what I really enjoy, they play the original James Bond theme. Yes, which was used in Doctor No and From Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the last time we hear it. In a movie, or are we counting in, in, in credits? In, is it in credits? It's in the credits of Casino Royale. Really? 
or a rendition okay. of it in this original style. Okay. Um, but yeah, in a movie, in a scene, that's the last time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it plays at the very end when he says that his name's my name's Bond, James Bond. Then it cuts to credits. And that's what that's what plays at the end of Casino Royale. After he kneecaps that guy. Mr. White. Mr. White, who should have been The future Blofeld. grandpa of his daughter. Should have been Blofeld. Yep. That would have been a lot better, but anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm trying oh, to... just to clarify for the listeners, uh, when we say the Bond theme, there are two, actually. It's not the... That's the one um, Bond theme, but that's but there's another one that's used in like an action scene. My most famous example in From Russia With Love at the end, when Sean Connery Bond is on you know the boat and escaping... The oh, boat no, boat. I mixed it up. No, it's the... I thought of the guitar riff. Okay. Yeah, no. But no, that's the other one, the classic one. That was supposed to be the Bond theme, like the big one, but it never took off, like the da 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 You're thinking that da 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 that one. Exactly. Yeah, I always think of the very end, uh, well, the, the, the climax of Diamonds Are Forever, when the oil rig's falling apart, and... Tiffany Case shoots the machine gun and falls off the side. Ah, yeah, great scene. So stupid. Yeah, um, but Bond ends up fighting the snake. (laughs) Well, first of all, he follows an attractive woman. Yeah, which that I found interesting because we kept seeing attractive ladies everywhere Mm -hmm. and that's connected to Drek's program with like getting the perfect specimen. Oh yeah. Because because they all work for him and they lure Bond into a trap. Mm-hmm. What I do like, there is like this nice set. Um there's this pond mm-hmm. and there's a metal bridge over it. Yeah. And you think, oh, Bond is gonna, you know, s- go over the bridge and then it collapses, but no, he just walks past it. Then he steps on like a giant rock. And the rock is the actual trap that throws him into the water. Yeah, I do like that. It's a little subversion from and a nod to "You Only Live Twice." Mm-hmm. And and then, then we he get the f- snake fight. We have the snake fight where he fights the most rubber snake that has ever been a rubber snake, and then he kills it with a pen. <laughs> right through his face. Oh yeah, that, that would be the only way to kill something like that, and then. Yep. He says that the snake had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. And then he meets Jaws, who is already extremely wet. I just... Is it because he fell down the waterfall and yeah. he d- didn't get dry yet? Okay. Yeah, because that would make sense. So he drags Bond up. And then Drax reveals some of his plan. And you realize all the Moonrakers are going to space. And then Bond is thrown into a pit with uh, Holly Goodhead, where we find out that's where the uh, rocket's going to go off and burn burn them alive. So they use the Bond laser to go through the vents, and they end up escaping, although in the book, Bond gets badly burned. Yeah, but in the movie, then they 
they are just in the Yavin 4 base. Yep. Which is Yavin 4 because they have the same transportation things. They drive around, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they, they disguise themselves as astronauts and they end up taking one of the shuttles up mm-hmm. to the Moonraker base. And then we get General Gogol. A nice little cameo. A nice little cameo with his mistress. Yeah. That scene is great. It is. I didn't. I didn't remember him being in it, but it's nice to have him again. Because mm-hmm. he he shows up in most a lot of these more movies. I think he shows up in every one of them now mm-hmm. until uh, Living Daylights. That's his last appearance. Yeah, because well, didn't he die after? Yeah, yeah. Then he passed away. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But um, because it but should then... have been him instead of John Rhys Davies. And... Exactly. Yeah. But he was ill at the time, I think. Yes. Um, and then the, the Marines have space Marines. Uh, can we first talk about the reveal of Drex's space, his, the not Death Star? Oh, yeah, his, his control center in space. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so All 70s. was saying that's not a moon, that's a space station. <laughs> Does he say that? No, he does, later on, uh, there's a reference, like, from, he says something similar to what they say in the uh, X-Wing Death Star fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't remember it now, but yeah, it's, yeah, it, it is Star Wars from this point on. Yes, and it goes completely off the rails. Yeah. So, Bond and Holly sneak in, they're caught. Um, Bond convinces Jaws to go apeshit, which is... Oh, yeah, because he convinces him, like, Drex is only gonna keep the best specimen, so Jaws and his girlfriend are probably gonna get axed. Bond, uh, Jaws goes crazy. Bond makes them lose gravity, then the space marines show up, and then it's basically the the fight from Thunderball, but in space with lasers, and very slow. Very slow. Yeah. Very, uh, very we also, slow. We should also mention in regards to Jaws, I like the one part where when he's still evil, he takes Bond capture. First off, almost every time they see each other, they smile at each other, which is uh-huh. nice. And when he captures him once on the space station, Bond kicks Jaws in the nuts and it makes a metal clank sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's amusing. That was pretty good. He had to do something, because remember when he punched his mouth in Spy Who Loved Me? He couldn't yeah, do that again. he did it again. again during that fight, and that's why he kicked him in the balls. But, yeah. Um, so there's there's chaos in the book. There was more chaos, and Bond got a spacesuit on, went out into space, which is an interesting scene that feels very Fleming-esque, but in a nonsense way. Where it's like if you put Fleming's Bond in a space suit and he's horrified and he ends up taking out a turret and going back into the not Death Star. It's a completely Bond, useless scene in the book. So Bond in, Bond in the book was actually Skywalking. Mm-hmm. Which Drex does at the end of this, but we will get to it. Yes. <laughs> um... But yeah, Bond doesn't really directly kill anyone. 
it's mostly the space marines. Yeah, they like, do all the like, work. Are they, like, what, what even is this supposed to be? Like, that came so out of nowhere. Yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's like the, the marines from, like, Aliens. Well, Except their weapons are so much slower. Yeah, the lasers suck in this. Yeah, not really great effects. I mean, the space station looks fine, I guess. I guess we've been spoiled with Star Wars. Star Wars is such high quality mm -hmm. that this just looks stupid. Yeah. And this is two years later. Mm-hmm. It didn't age well. Um, they end up... Drax gets uh, thrown into an airlock. So. After Bond shoots him with his uh, gadget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He uses... I think is this the movie where he uses his gadget more to kill than his, like actual weapon he doesn't use his walther ever yeah so he uses the gadget yeah because he has the darts that's right and they barely use that and i use it a couple of times i think he uses it he uses it to get out of that office. uh the uh the inertia machine that's two he kills drex that's three okay okay yeah his stupid wrist thing mm-hmm we didn't even talk his, about his... His Spider-Man web shooter. Yeah. We didn't even talk about his mini camera that says 007 on it. <laughs> Self-branding. It's I important. I hate it. That's always made me mad. Even when I was a kid and saw that, I'm like, that's that's so dumb. Yeah. The best secret agent. He has his, his number on all his gadgets. So if he loses one, they know who did it. <sighs> yeah. Lord like it I don't like it at all so anyway we get the epic space battle the villain we, is defeated we get the, the space battle defeated. and then we get into the shuttle although um, Jaws and his lady don't make it off of there they, they stay on and drink champagne they drink we get Jaws, Jaws talking which he, in the Spy Who Loved Me novelization, he doesn't have vocal cords, so that was real funny. Yeah. But I do like the joke when he starts talking, well, here's to us, and he's just like this normal British voice. Yeah. It's just lower. It's a deeper voice, but yeah. And they, they drink champagne, and then Bond's like, if anyone can survive that, that's him. Yeah, oh, and later on, at the very end, the guys in the control room on Earth say, oh, we just got note from a giant man and a very tiny woman. They are fine. So, yeah, don't worry, they survive. Well, because Josh shows up in one of the Pierce Brosnan video games. Hmm. I think it's Nightfire he shows up and you fight Jaws. And he talks in that. Is it canon? Do they mention Moonraker? Why would he turn bad again? I don't know. I... The, those Pierce Brosnan ones, it was like they wanted another Pierce Brosnan Bond movie, but they he wouldn't do that, but he would go and vo he would act for the games. Because hmm. he did Nightfire, and there was another one. Everything or Nothing? Everything or Nothing, yeah. Which had the song that was actually a hit. Which is a terrible mid-2000s pop song. Hmm. But yeah, I think it's Nightfire that Josh shows up. Because he wasn't... He didn't play... He didn't... Pierce Brosnan didn't voice Bond every time because Agent Under Fire 
is like a weird amalgamation of every Bond face, every movie Bond face at that time put together, but he acts more goofy than Roger Moore. Like, have you ever played Agent Under Fire? I, I've, I've seen parts of it. It's, it's probably, it's my favorite of them. It's one of the better ones. I just like the first person Bond games the most. And that one's I first think, Wasn't that the one where the bad guy looks like Steve Jobs? Yes, I think so. And uh, Bond's like, there's twins that walk by and they're like, I hope you enjoy the view. He's like, I already am. Yeah, oh, isn't that in Moonraker? That's I, also a joke in here. I think that is, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're not we're we're missing the space shuttle chasing the three probes that uh, escaped the uh, space station that are going to poison the planet. Mm-hmm. Which they have I mean, to. It turns into the you know Death Star destruction scene but, when Bond is in his X-wing. But boringer and repetitive. Yeah. And he destroys all three, and then they go around the world and have a bone. And and we get Q's famous line when <laughs> when because for some reason oh we gotta thank Bond and again it's the comedic ending they turn into Bond with the camera and he's having sex. And the and, the, M, and zero G and they're like what is he doing and and Q has his famous line I think he's attempting reentry sir. And then she's like. Take me around the world one more time, James. Yeah. And somehow they land the ship, I guess. Yeah. This is the Bond movie that ends in outer space. Which, by the way, I watched the credits. It says filmed on location in California, France, and in outer space. Which is... Which, that's a famous uh, Cubby Broccoli quote. <laughs> because he was pissed off when people said, like, Star Wars is like... As, science fiction or science fantasy and he's like there's nothing fiction about our film we're not science fiction in fact we are science fact why are, why are the broccolis like this i don't know but that was the best interview i've ever seen he's so they were all weird yeah but at least cubby he was like it his madness was genius sometimes yes his daughter or granddaughter <laughs> daughter is, just a buffoon. So I think we almost wrapped. Like I, I, I like the movie, but it's fine. We have to, something it, we have to mention is the 007 Legends, when we got Daniel Craig in the spacesuit. Yeah, that's right. And he fights. He fight Jaws. Yeah, and we see Daniel Craig in the Moonraker level updated to look a little bit more modern so mm-hmm. all you daniel craig fans out there don't worry he went to space as well yep i don't like what all i'm trying to remember what's all in 007 legends uh goldfinger license to kill on a majesty's secret service die another day and moonraker they weren't going to do golden eye because they did the golden eye with craig in it yeah, and the, the other Brosnan real. films already had video games. Yeah, well, so, Goldeneye had a video game. Goldeneye yeah. had the best game. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Die Another Day didn't get a game. Yeah, only game it got is 007 Legends with Daniel Craig and a woman who is not Halle Berry. I guess they didn't get her likeness. Oh, well, she was probably embarrassed about being in 
Diana the I Day. Mean, I mean, she wasn't Catwoman around the same time. So. Also embarrassed. Um, it was a bad time in her career. Well, that was what that was a good time in her career. She got a lot of roles. She was also Storm and X Men. Oh yeah, that was that time. Remember the first X Men when she had the horrible accent? And the, yep. the sequels, she just spoke like Holly Berry speaks. Mm-hmm. Or Halle Berry, I think it's Halle. I don't know. Anyway, so Moonraker's one of the dumber ones. It's like it's like with uh, you only live twice. You know, it's a step too far, and then we scale it back next time with uh, for your eyes only. Yeah. But overall, I would say this is definitely not the worst one at all. Like, you can have a fun time with it. And like I said, up until the final act, like the last half hour, up until, like, when they go to space, it goes insane. But before that, it's a typical James Bond adventure. Some weird tonal shifts, a bit too much comedy, goofy stuff. And then the weird horror scene, which is haunting. Oh, it's so bad. Like, it's so mortifying. If that were in License to Kill... Makes it sense. would fit. It would fit. Or um, in one of the Craig movies, it would fit. Like, you could see that in Skyfall. Yeah. It would fit. It's just for... I, I watched this movie. I rewatched it yesterday, and I still have that scene in mind. The music, the camera work, her running through the forest. It's one of the most effective horror shots I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. It the feels the most... And then we just... The dogs finally catch up with her. We just see her, like, it's almost slow motion. She falls down, the dogs attack, and we pan, camera pans up. And next thing is, like, church bells. And it's like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What a scene. Bizarre. Doesn't need to be in that movie. It's wrong movie for that. Yeah. But it's so on its own, weird. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of the better scenes in the movie. But it's, in rewatching this, it's not the worst Bond film. I used to it's rank not this as the, the... Worst one, uh, the newer one. I'm all on Diana of a day now. So. No, you're fine. Um, I used to rank this as the third worst Bond movie. Mm. I can't say that anymore since we started the show. Like, I think that um, Diamonds Are Forever is far worse than this. Oh yeah, Diamonds is just joyless. Really. Yeah. At least Moore looks like compared to this because yeah Moore is he's fun he's having fun with it yeah oh yeah and he he looks like he's having a good time he's we we're in Moore is in his stride finally he's Mm -hmm. figured out that um what his version of Bond is and you know that that's nice to have it's just script's dumb it's just the last movie but dumb. Anyway, um, it was worth it for the Star Wars money. I want to talk about Bond book I read though. Okay, I read Forever in a Day, mm-hmm. the most unnecessary prequel <laughs> ever. It's fine, but um, it's your prequel to Casino Royale. It's really weird to read Bond. Like, it's 50s Bond, but not written by Fleming. And sometimes it really works, but sometimes it doesn't. The Bond villain's weird. 
Um, I didn't really get his motivation. For you've read this one, right? Yeah, yeah, I've read all three of the Horowitz books. Mm -hmm. This is the only one of his I've read. Mm. Um, I just I don't know. I think we'll do an entire episode on this for like season four. We'll talk okay. about his stuff because it's worth mentioning. I think it, in a lot of ways it's a solid book. It's a fast-paced read. It feels a lot like Fleming. It's not as good as the Kingsley Ames book. Yeah, but it's definitely better than the Gardner run. Or or Benson. Yeah, I mean, we haven't only read one short story by him, but, yeah. Well, I'm about oh, to but... read... I'm about to read Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, okay. Because we're doing that for paper oh, movies. Yeah. I was going to join for that episode, I think. Yeah, we're going to do a double recording on that... Inside Baseball this season, we're recording two of them at a time, so we'll probably just let you know when we start the second one. So we're also recording Spider-Man 2 that same same day. Okay. okay, just let me know when I have to read the book. For sure. I haven't even... I've only ten pages into Spider-Man 2, so you're fine. Alright, Um, since we are wrapping it up with, with Bond books, yeah. I recently read Broken Claw. Oh, yeah. Was that in the good Gardener or the bad Gardener? That was a good garden, a pretty good one. It's his best villain, Broken Claw okay. Lee, is his best character. It's kind of like his version of the Goldfinger novel. Hmm. Different enough, but it is fun. Good. It is pretty decent. It has weird stuff in it. Some of the pro obviously still problems, but one of the solid ones. And again, it falls into the pattern of Gardner, which is good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. So this one was good. Next one is probably going to be bad again. What's that one? Is that the man from Barbosa? Yes. Barbarossa or whatever? Yes, which I think Gardner said is his personal favorite. So we shall see. Okay. But yeah, if the pattern remains, it's going to be bad. Okay. But anyway, I think that wraps it up. Join us next right. time as we tackle for your eyes only. All right. Anyway, have a good one. Goodbye.